Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast is an edited recording of our Sunday morning service from January 21st, 2024. For news and information, and to find out how to join us, please visit stjamesleith.org.uk. Welcome to you all here in the building, but also welcome to everyone at home, if we can give them a wave. Lovely to have you with us uh, in our service. So we're going to start in the usual way. The singing bowl will ring and we can prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. And we'll light a a candle in church and invite those at home to also uh, light a candle to connect us uh, with them. So I think if we have the singing bowl, thank you. God of light and love, in this very moment, your star still beckons. Gather us and let the star call us in a new ways of healing and hope, restoration and renewal, as we discover again Christ's call to discipleship. Amen. Amen. Please stand for our opening song, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity.
reading is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring on them, and he did not do it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honour. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion, and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them.
God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay to all according to their work. you to stand if you are able for the gospel. is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John who were in their boats, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this morning we would hear what you want us to hear and that we will respond as you want us to respond. Amen. So the title of this morning's reflection comes from a quote by Brian McLaren. He writes, I think this struggle is the struggle to have a faith that isn't an evacuation plan or an escape into private bliss, but a way of seeking to have a spiritual transformation in our lives that will express itself in change 
and transformation in our world. We're on a quest to find out how to have an engaged expression of a deep spiritual life that makes a difference in a world on fire. We're on a quest to find out how to have an, an engaged expression of a deep spiritual life that makes a difference in a world on fire. So, we've had this morning a story about Jonah, who always seems to me to be such a funny, quirky, off-the-wall character, and I suppose it's just like the everyday prophet, really. We used to read a picture book with our children about Jonah, <clears throat> and I can't help picture Jonah as a funny little mouse scurrying along, looking like he's just emerged from a scrap heap, fur all messed up with bits of food sticking to it, and wearing a long green coat with big holes at the elbows and a funny hat with a lopsided feather. <clears throat> but maybe scurrying off to, to Nineveh when God asks, sorry, scurrying away when God asks him to go to Nineveh is completely understandable. I mean, who would want to go into this vast city and warn everyone that disaster is coming? <clears throat> so he runs all the way to Tarshish, pays, pays the fare. I like the detail from the storyteller, just to make, uh, th that he pays his fare just to make sure we know Jonah was really serious about getting away. So he gets on a boat and a storm comes. You all know the story. The sailors draw lots. They, they discover that the storm has been sent by Jonah's God. They confront Jonah, and he tells them to throw him overboard. He goes to the very bottom of the sea, and the poetry tells us to the roots of the mountains, and he's so entangled in swirling seaweed around his head, he feels he's behind bars and will never ever rise to the surface. He can't breathe, his life is ebbing away, and then God sends a big fish to swallow him up, <clears throat> and inside the fish he suddenly remembers. His prayer rises, and the grace of God is his. With a song of thanksgiving he says, what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And as you remember, the fish vomits Jonah onto dry land. A second time, the word comes to Jonah, go to Nineveh and proclaim the message that I gave you. So now we come to the passage that we've just read. This man-mouse walks into the great city shouting, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believe him? They proclaim a fast. Everybody puts on sackcloth. What? Just like that? A whole city converted? Everyone from the greatest to the least puts on sackcloth and fasts. Wow. Well, I thought this is ridiculous. This man mouse really must be somebody. But of course, the whole point of the story about Jonah is that he's exactly as human and as fearful as you and me. One moment he's full of wonderful faith and courage, telling the sailors, it's fine, throw me into the sea. And the next moment, angry with God for saving Nineveh, 
He gets into such a funk, he plonks himself down outside the city and waits to see what happens. Honestly, he's really, really angry. So angry he wants to die. If you get a chance at some point, read Jonah's prayer from inside the fish. And surely this is what is meant by the mystics when they speak of a God experience as simultaneously falling into the abyss and also being grounded. When we, when you and I, allow ourselves to fall into the abyss, just like Jonah did, into the depths of the sea, into the hiddenness, a void without boundaries, we discover that it's somehow rich, supporting, embracing spaciousness where we are being held. And we do so, so we do not need to try to hold ourselves together. <coughs> Jonah made a difference in a world on fire. Nineveh was a world on fire. It was described as a city of 120,000 people, I love this, who cannot tell their right hand from their left. I don't know about you, but I think that pretty well describes our world at the moment. Rulers and governments who can't tell their right hand from their left, some of their supporters too. And yet this man, who as I've said was just like you and me, walks into the middle of it and everything changes. Why? Because in all his humanness, all his rebelliousness, he allowed a deep spiritual transformation to keep changing him. He knew God and he knew that God knew him. His time in the belly of the whale was a time of transformation. He wasn't perfect, of course, he still got angry, but in all his imperfections, he walked into Nineveh and he changed a whole city. He knew he was being held, and so he did not need to try to hold himself together. So, Turning to the gospel passage, <clears throat> it's actually quite easy, isn't it, to read the first two verses without taking in the huge significance of these opening words. After John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. Jesus' cousin had been arrested, put in prison for what? He was put in prison because he preached that the world needed to change. And the world that John and Jesus lived in was a world on fire. The regime that governed Israel was oppressive and cruel. Some of the leaders of the Jewish faith that John and Jesus belonged to were corrupt and more interested in outward piety than they were in inner change. I'm afraid I suspect that Jesus was pretty certain he would never see John again alive. But still Jesus continued to preach the same message of change. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why did Jesus have the courage to call for change? Because as Mark tells us a few verses earlier, while he was being baptized with John, he heard the voice of God. You are my son whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. <clears throat> to repeat a quote Geoffrey used in his reflection last week, 
when you get your who am I question right, all of your what should I do questions tend to take care of themselves. And you might think it's very well for Jesus to go into a dangerous world and call for change, because after all, he was Jesus, and I'm just me. But then we look at the story of Jonah and realize that the most human and flaky and bad-tempered of all biblical characters fell into the abyss and found God there. With all his faults and all his anger, he marched into a huge city and preached, and the whole city changed. He was being held, so he did not need to try to hold himself together. I have been reading about a newly written biography about a man called John Lewis, who marched with Martin Luther King, and he later became a congressman. Lewis's philosophy represented a confluence of black Christianity and the teachings of Mahatma Gandhi. To quote the biographer, he had this broader vision. There's not a progressive cause that you can mention he wasn't involved with in some way or another. He was a major environmentalist, and there was a lot of homophobia in the black community in those years but not even a hint in Lewis. <clears throat> he was totally ahead of his time in so many ways. He loved, <clears throat> he loved words, but he was always putting his body on the line. It's a miracle he survived, the biographer writes. Frankly, he had more than 40 beatings, more than 40 arrests and jailings, far more than any other major figure. You could add all the others up, and they wouldn't equal the times that John was behind bars. John Lewis turned to politics, and in 1981, he was elected to the Atlanta City Council. Five years later, he won a seat in Congress. He would serve 17 terms. After the Democrats won the House in 2006, Lewis became senior deputy whip, widely revered as the conscience of the Congress by both Republicans and Democrats. The biographer continues, he was absolutely determined, and as he once said, I am not a showboat, I'm a tugboat. He loved that line, nothing fancy, just a person who did the hard work and was always willing to put his body on the line. <clears throat> always willing, if you like, to be thrown to the bottom of the sea because there he found God. So what I'm saying this morning is that you may feel that you're a tugboat or a mouse, but tugboats and mice can change the world when they know who they are in the eyes of God. We are being held, so we do not need to hold ourselves together. And it doesn't have to take a lot of deep prayer and meditation we just have to look into the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus looked into the eyes of Simon and Andrew, James and John, they left their boats and they set off along a path. They can't have had a clue about where their journey would take them. They were ordinary human beings, just like you and me, 
but one look from Jesus and they were off. They were being held and so they did not need to try to hold themselves together. And if the thought for you of becoming a lone voice in the wilderness is totally scary, notice Jesus called brothers to follow him. We are here in St. James with our brothers and our sisters. We can go out as one family, one community, into the world and call for change. We don't have to do this alone. Our world is on fire. We desperately need people like Jonah and John Lewis. Not roaring lions or showboats, but tatty moth-eaten mice and heavy-bottomed, slow-starting tugboats to walk out into the world and to call for change. Are you, am I, a mouse or a tugboat? Is Jesus calling us into our city, our country, our world to call for change? We don't have to be successful. We don't even have to be perfect. Definitely don't have to be perfect. We are being held, so we do not need to try to hold ourselves together. A final word, whatever happens, we can pray. You and I can make a commitment day after day, week after week, month after month, to pray for change. This year there are two elections. You know which ones I mean. And we can decide that we can begin to see change for good in our local community and city. Like the disciples who were called by Jesus, we have no idea where this journey will take us. But we know we have each other. And most of all, we know that if we have to sink to the depths of the sea, we are being held by a loving God. And so we do not need to hold ourselves. Amen. When I close each bidding with God of love, will you reply, hear our prayer. God of love, hear our prayer. As we begin our prayers, perhaps we could affirm the answer to the question Judith posed. Is God calling us to go into our city, our country, our world to call for change? I believe God is indeed calling us to call for change and each in our varied situations and circumstances to be God's agents for change, especially where there is injustice poverty, isolation, or misery. I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, we are small, we are weak. Few of us are anything in the eyes of the world, but we believe you go before us. Enlarge our hearts to feel what you feel, Inspire our creativity to find effective and fitting ways to serve. And deepen our resolve to keep on making a difference and to keep on raising our voices. God of love, 
hear our prayer. We pray for the world and its people, remembering national and international conflicts and concerns and for refugees fleeing war. We continue to grieve deeply the bloodshed in Israel-Palestine, and we plead for your mercy in the catastrophic humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Protect the innocent, comfort the bereaved, and those who have not heard from loved ones. Return the hostages, bless efforts for peace between Israel and Arab states and prevent the conflict spreading in the Middle East. And in a moment of silence, we bring before you, Lord, this and other conflicts and injustices that weigh most heavily on our hearts at this time. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for the Church of Christ with her pains and divisions. And we remember the need to safeguard the vulnerable, especially those who have in the past been damaged by the system and unchecked power. Help us to call for change where management structures do not allow human flourishing and where they restrict the work of your Holy Spirit. May bishops and priests, deacons, lay leaders, and in our own denomination, church vestries, be guided by you and serve with joy and sensitivity. And we pray especially for preparations for our AGM next Sunday. Please guide Ian and Joe and Frank, along with Cam, our secretary, and Charles, our treasurer, in their preparations, giving thanks for their gifts and callings and willingness to serve. God of love, hear our prayer. Pray for our communities of Leith and of Edinburgh, for their commerce, service industries, manufacturing, and for the growth of job prospects. And pray also for the welfare needed to protect the most vulnerable. Pray for the success of projects like building bridges that break down barriers of class, gender, race, and creed, and that serve the common good. God of love, here I pray for the sick and the infirm, for those who are dying. We pray for those who are abused or neglected, young and old. We pray now in a moment of silence for those whom we know who are in sorrow, anguish, pain, or suffering. God of love, hear our prayer. Finally, we pray for those who are bereaved, whose loved ones have passed to a better place free of pain. And we pray for those who remember the anniversary of their loss at this time. Grant them comfort, healing, and the hope of Christ's resurrection. 
God of love, hear
Glory and thanksgiving be to you, most loving Father. In Jesus, the Messiah, you have come to us. Our hope is built on him in whom you are well pleased. Having been shown to the world as your beloved Son, he proclaimed the good news of your kingdom. The blind received their sight, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, and the captives set free. At his word, water became wine, the hungry were filled with bread, and the dead were raised. Before he was given up to suffering and death at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, it is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup, he offered you thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. For hear us, most merciful Father, and send your Holy Spirit upon us in the building and upon those at home, and upon this bread and this wine, that overshadowed by your Spirit's life-giving power, they may be the body and blood of your Son, and we may be kindled with the fire of your love and renewed for the service of your kingdom. And through Jesus Christ our Lord, with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be to you, Lord of all ages, world without end. Amen. receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. <coughs> Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and thanksgiving.
we thank you for feeding us at this table. And we thank you that we do not have to hold ourselves together, but are held by you. And we thank you that you will give us the courage and the strength to fulfill your work on earth. And we pray that we would be willing recipients to hear your voice and follow your call. Amen. Let the people sing Amen. Amen.